Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Hi, my name is Grigor Dimitrov, and you're listening to Tennis Podcast. Hi, I'm Mats Villander, and you are listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast. It has been a little bit of a while since we spoke to you because Catherine Whitaker has been hogging the airwaves with people like James Blake and uh, Brad Gilbert, but uh, it's good to hear from them, wasn't it? Well, I'm David Law, happy to say back in the chair, Catherine Whitaker's not here, so I can hog the airwaves myself for an, uh, 20 minutes or so. And I've got somebody fantastic to spend the next 15 or 20 minutes with because I'm sitting inside a commentary box at BT Sport, alongside top tour coach Nigel Sears. How are you doing, Nigel? Morning, David. Some things never change, do they? I'm stuck in here with you again. <laughs> yeah, we are. We're, we're actually recording this on Friday, ahead of the semi-finals in Doha, where we're going to be watching Carlos Suarez Navarro against Lucy Safarova, and then Venus Williams against Victoria Azarenka. And when you say, Nigel, that some things never change, that really sums it up, doesn't it? We've got Venus Williams about 20 years at the top of the sport, still on the brink of the top 10, and here she is in the semi-finals. Oh, it's incredible. 34 years old now and back to playing very close to her best. 46 titles she's got behind her and number one in the world back in 2002. She's playing Victoria Azarenka, who was number one some 10 years later. She's also on her comeback trail and looking pretty good this week in Doha, where she, of course, has enjoyed so much success in the past. It's great to see Victoria Azarenka back, isn't it? Because she had a pretty miserable year last year. She only played the nine events. And I read an interview she did in the New York Times with Chris Clary in which she was explaining that she'd been out of the game for a little while and, and she'd had time to reflect. She'd had a breakup in, in her personal life and she wasn't feeling that great, but she'd kind of re-found her way. She got into art and started to to be happier away from the court. And you can kind of see that there's a real hunger about her again, isn't there? Well, it's good to see her back. She's such a, such a great competitor. And last year, she was out of sorts. She missed Roland Garros too. Had a, a bunch of difficult injuries, and especially in her foot. And of course, if you can't move, you've got all kinds of problems out there. And back with a bang here in uh, Doha. And she looks full of energy and has got that desire back to climb up the rankings. And I'm sure when you consider that she's ranked 48 at the moment, she'll probably be inside the top 10 again by the end of Wimbledon. Wow, that, that's quick. Well, I, mean, I don't think it takes very long when you're doing well in the big tournaments and she has every chance of winning this title, although she's got a really tough one today in Venus Williams. No, absolutely. Well, by the time you hear this on Monday, you'll know whether she's got there. I have a sneaky feeling that she's got a, a real chance. The problem is she's playing Venus Williams in the match we're going to watch shortly, and, and Venus Williams has won all eight sets between the two. And Venus Williams 
generally speaking, what a story. And what a story that the Williams sisters are in general. I mean, if you consider the story that they've had, and particularly the last 10, 15 years, all the illnesses and Venus Williams with the Sjogren syndrome and uh, Serena Williams obviously had that pulmonary embolism, the terrible uh, situation that occurred after she cut her foot. To think that they are still at the top of the game. I mean, Serena Williams is world number one. I mean, how is she doing this? Well, it's incredible. I think in Serena's case, she definitely has that label, which she has earned very in a very genuine way as probably the greatest female tennis player we've ever seen. So it's not really a surprise. The incredible thing is that both Serena and Venus coming from the same family, from the background they've come from, to dominate women's tennis for so many years. It's just phenomenal greatest player we've ever seen that is some accolade she's on 19 grand slam titles at the moment so she's ahead of martina and chris everts behind steffi graf at the moment do you think she's going to catch her well i do i mean serena's made it quite clear she intends to be in rio for the olympics so i mean we've got four grand slams a year Steffi, fabulous player, 22 Grand Slams to her name. But it's not just the titles, although obviously she may well need to eclipse Steffi to officially claim the label. But in terms of level, I don't think we've ever seen an athlete like this with such a complete game, such a great match player, and and somebody that has the whole package. I don't think we've ever seen that before. And sometimes she's just unplayable. We're going to talk a little bit later about your coaching career. And obviously you worked with Amanda Kurtzer and Daniela Hantikova and then Anna Ivanovic. Now, we're going back 15 and more years to, to before you started working with Amanda Kurtzer. So you would, I imagine, remember the Williams sisters coming along, wouldn't you? For sure I did. And I'd had the heads up from an American coach called Benny Sims, who spent a long time working with Chanda Rubin. And he told me, you've got to see what's coming. You know, we've got two sisters that are just going to dominate the world of tennis. And I sort of laughed it off a bit. And I said, come on, Benny, because I, you know, he, he does. He always had that habit of getting a bit carried away. <laughs> and we used to put a couple of noughts on everything he said. Uh, and and in, on this occasion, he was going to be proved absolutely right. Because when they arrived on the scene, I mean, Venus, I remember playing her first pro match. And she'd hardly played a junior match. Richard Williams kept them away from that. And she came on the scene and, and was just so impressive right from her very first event. And I, mean, I think she was 14, in fact, when she played her first pro match. And then in 1997, she reached a Grand Slam final and she'd never even played the US Open before. And then she reached the final of it. I mean, it, it is extraordinary. Well, it is. And... You know, anyone playing against the Williams knew exactly what they were in for on the day. I mean, just huge power and incredible striking force and just wonderful tennis players, both of them. I just wonder, as a coach, sending players out to play against them, did you do you have to prepare your player in some regards psychologically as well? Because they they carry such presence, don't they? Well, they really do. And I think the thing about playing against the Williams is that you have to be able to serve well. If you can't serve well against the Williams, you're, you're onto a hiding because you're not going to have that many opportunities to break serve. Yes, you do have a few chances when, when Venus is having a bad day on her first serve because her second serve is a little more vulnerable than Serena's. Serena's just could actually play the tour. I've said it many times. 
on just a second serve. I think it's that good. But if you don't serve well yourself, then you might as well just pack your bags. Indeed. Now, at the moment, we, we've talked there about Azarenka and Venus and, and Serena. Other, There's a number of young players coming up at the moment that we've been covering throughout the last year and a half here on BT Sport and commentating on them regularly. It's getting pretty interesting, isn't it? Seeing just how many there are and, and the, the different things they bring to the table. We saw Sloane Stevens a couple of years ago. We saw Eugenie Bouchard last year. This year, Madison Keys is the, the player on the, everybody's lips. And last week on the tennis podcast, we were speaking to Brad Gilbert, who said that in 24 to 36 months, she is going to be number one in the world. Well, Brad likes to put a couple of noughts on what he says too, but he's usually right, and uh, that's not a bad call. It's a big call. Number one is quite something. She's headed for the top of the game, that's for sure. Going to need a really good head on her shoulders over the next couple of years to achieve that goal in that time frame, but it's not impossible, and she's a contender for that kind of status. And then the other players you've mentioned, well, of course, they also have a shot at, at getting to the top of the game, although Stephen's struggling at the moment. Um, I've been so impressed with Karolina Pliskova. She's made a, a real impression. Elena Svitolina, Gabina Muguruza. I mean, uh, Williams will take some replacing, both of them. And these young players are classy young players, and, and it's the next generation. You've got Caroline Garcia. She's in the semifinals at the, this week in, in uh, Acapulco. You've got Taylor Townsend, another young American, Belinda Bencic. I mean, you've got so many, and I think it's so refreshing to see them starting to make real inroads uh, at the top of the women's game. It is, and, and we actually really enjoy watching them every week here in the job that we do. I mean, what a job this is, Nigel. We just get to sit in here, watch tennis and talk about it, and people get to call that work. Well, it's stress-free. <laughs> I tell you, it's totally different from sitting on the side of the court and knowing that if your player loses that match, you're packing the bags and moving on to the next week. It's, I mean, here, we've got another match the next day. You can't lose. So. No, you're absolutely right, and, and, and that being the case, I mean, to take you back to the years when you were coaching us uh, on the tour, and, and I dare say that's something in the future uh, may happen again for you, but certainly if we were to go back to the days when you started out with Amanda Kurtz, so what is that life like? Because I think most people look at tennis professionals and think, oh, that looks fantastic, you know, going around the world, glamorous locations, playing tennis all day, getting paid lots of money. It's not all like that, is it? It is a fabulous life. There's no, I wouldn't want to change it for anything. I think where I've been very fortunate is that I've been able to work with some good players, nice people, and there have been gaps. There have been times where I can do something else, still involved in tennis in this country, in between, because the, the tour is really exhausting. It is, not just the travel and the day-to-day -day grind of it, but... You know, there is a certain amount of pressure and if you're driven, you want to, uh, your player to achieve success and, y y you know, it takes an awful lot of energy, as does any job if you put your heart and soul into it. But I think that I have been very fortunate in being able to spend time at home with the family and also doing things on a domestic scene here in between um, some very nice tour jobs. So it, I really had the best of both worlds. I think for those players who've been out there nonstop for some 15 plus years, well, I take my hat off to them. Here's a cool fact. 
a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel, and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live, and you can watch on your phone or your smart TV, both in HD. Matt, this sounds like your kind of thing. Yeah, there's nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere, dipping in to where there's the latest final set tiebreak or even the latest bit of aggro. And David, don't worry, you can just watch your favourite court, Suzanne Longlen, all day if you want. But whatever you choose, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Do you know, I think in a lot of ways, the French Open is now my favourite slam. It's the strategy of the clay court tennis, the way it challenges players, and particularly now with legends of the game up against a new generation of young players. I cannot wait. Be there when it happens with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Subscribe to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. Because that's a huge commitment. It certainly is. Now, Amanda Kurtzer, I mentioned you started with, and she had already been inside the world's top five before you, you started working with her. Then she dropped and you got her back inside the top ten. I just wonder what is it like coaching, coming on board and coaching somebody who already knows pretty much what's going on in the tennis world. It's not like picking up the reins of a, of a teenager, is it? You've got somebody who will, I imagine, have their own opinions and, and their own thoughts on how things should work. That's very different. It's a totally different situation. And, and that's also uh, um, very challenging. Uh, you have to be the right fit at the right time for the player that you're working with. Again, I, I've worked across lots of different age groups and an uh, already established player has a mind of their own. And as you say, they have the experience from the tour themselves. They've got a clear idea of what they feel they need and the direction in which they're headed. And your job is to listen to them, to encourage them to back them to to make suggestions and to help them achieve their goals it's very different if you take a young player when i started with daniela hantakova she was just 18 years old she was ranked 84 in the world she was playing the qualifyings and you then very much you're the one with the tour experience and the information and you've got to get that across and as that player matures, it then becomes a more of a two-way thing until you get to the mature player, as Amanda was, where you take more of a backseat. They couldn't really be more different, could they, Amanda Kurtz and Danielle Hantikova? Because for a start, Hantikova, as you say, was a teenager when you started working with her. Kurtz was more established. But look at them physically. Amanda Kurtz was five foot two. Yes, she was five foot two, shortest legs on the tour, but electric wheels. And of course, Daniela, 5'11 or so, with the longest legs on the tour. So, How does that change your job? <laughs> well, it doesn't really. It, it does in the way you, you deal with the players because they had different game styles. But 
in terms of your commitment, your time on the tour or whatever, it's very much the same kind of job. But you have to have to get to know them, different personalities also. And that coach-player relationship is very important. And if you don't have that, you don't have anything. But I remember you saying a couple of times that you know you can't just coach against one top player in the same way if you've got different players because your players will have their own weapons, their own, I imagine, drawbacks as well. But, you know, you've got to look at what you've got before you work out your game plan. Well, of course, it's attention to the game styles and the different matchups bring a lot of different situations and you have different equations to decipher. But it's all about your player playing to their strengths and trying to identify ahead of time opponents' weaknesses and trying to neutralise their strengths. It's, uh, it's fascinating. Now, you're too modest to want to talk about things that have gone well when you've been coaching tennis players, but I'm going to do so. Uh, in 2002, Nigel, when Daniela Hantakova really announced herself, it was in Indian Wells, wasn't it? And she, she notched up some incredible wins that week, most notably in the final. Going, she was pretty much unheard of outside of the, the real tennis scene. And she went to the final, one of the biggest tournaments outside of the Grand Slams, and she thrashed Martina Hingis. What was that like to witness? Well, it was incredible because Martina was number one in the world at the time. And uh, I think that uh, en route, she'd beaten Justine Henna and uh, Barbara Shett, who was also a top 10 player. And she, I, have, I think she was unseeded, actually. I, I have a feeling she was. She came through. There were horrific conditions on the day. It was one of those desert storms. It was so windy. And I can remember her hitting 24 back-and-down-the-line winners. It was just like threading a needle. It was unbelievable. And she just happened to pull it off on the day. And, you know, that, that really set her off on, on her way to the top ten. Yeah, and she ultimately got to five in the world, and she got to Wimbledon quarterfinals that year and uh, the U.S. Open quarterfinals as well. From that position, you've obviously spent some time in the British tennis scene. Uh, you were Fed Cup captain as well. We'll talk about that as well uh, in a moment, based on the fact that Britain has a big Davis Cup tie against uh, the United States, and I'm fascinated to know what it is like being in the chair on the side of the court there. But also, you've you've worked uh, since then with, with Anna Ivanovic as well, and, and she's still a player who is bouncing back again now, isn't she? And she had a good year last year. Well, she's had her ups and downs in her career, and of course was... Uh number one in the world uh, the year that she won the French Open in 2008 and and then she found it really difficult to deal with the expectation and she she had some issues uh, with emotional control and, and uh, struggled a bit with her ball toss as has uh, been well documented and um, I was one of a, a number of, pl of coaches that worked with her on her way back up and um, we played our part in trying to help her get back up to the top. She's still got a little way to do uh, to to go, but in, in the last year or so, she's she's just played some sensational tennis and had a great year last year and uh, won I think four titles last year, um, which was superb and it was wonderful to see her back in the tour finals after so many years of absence. Yeah, because she's a natural talent, isn't she? Oh, she's such an instinctive player and. So much ability. She's got a big game and, you know, she's a very exciting player to watch and is one of the marquee players in the sport, no question. 
I mentioned Davis Cup next week, uh, Britain against the United States. Leon Smith has picked his team. He's got Andy Murray in singles alongside James Ward. He's picked two doubles players as well in Dominic Inglot and Jamie Murray. The United States have gone for obviously the Bryan brothers with singles players of John Isner and uh, Mr. Young, in fact, it was, of course, who's uh, who he's picked um, uh, alongside uh, John Isner. So it, it's an interesting thing that you have to do as a, as a captain, isn't it? Part of it, I suppose, is picking the team. But then you, you're out there, unlike on at the Grand Slams, OK, you have the on-court coaching at the WTA events, but unlike at the Slams where I imagine you give your team talk, your pep talk, and then you're, you just have to leave them to it, you're out there as a Fed Cup captain or a Davis Cup captain. What, what is it like? Well, lots of differences. Um, one of the main, very obvious differences is that the players that you're on-court helping in international team competitions might well be coached by somebody else. So you're actually, you know, looking after somebody else's property there. And uh, they would might have had their own views on how this match should be played and so on. So all of that has to be taken into consideration and you help where you can. And uh, some players want a lot of information from a captain, even if it's not your personal coach. Some don't. And so that's a very very different scenario just to start with. Always have difficult situations to deal with, whether you're a Fed Cup or a Davis Cup captain. You've got awkward team selections to make. I mean, there's one coming right up in this tie, especially in the doubles, because you've got Jamie Murray and Dominic Inglot both playing exceptionally well at the moment, and they've both had wins over the Bryan brothers, and they'll be vying for a spot in what could well decide the whole tie. And then on uh, on the American side of the fence, you've got this situation where uh, Query was selected for singles on clay and lost to James Ward, which is almost certainly why uh, Young has been brought in because he's got a better record against Ward in in recent matches. So um, that's uh, you know that that's an interesting scenario for the American captain. It's it's just it is very different. It's still. Inherently, you're doing the same job you're, because, of course, on the women's tour, we have on-court coaching. So on the men's tour, you don't. And you don't have it in the slams, of course. That, I mean, I, I don't really agree with it, to be honest with you. I, I never have done because there's no consistency there. I mean, how can you work on court with a player on a WTA tour most of the year? And then when it comes to the biggest tournaments of the year, you're not allowed to. So there's also the fact that I feel that it, it takes away the independence of a player. And I, I think that's that's not right either. And I suppose, in a way, it could cause your prob player problems when they get to the Grand Slams, when suddenly they can't draw upon it an on-court coach. Well, you don't want a player to become too dependent on you. And uh, I, I think it's very useful, particularly for young players. Um, and, uh, you know, it's obviously easier to be more objective from the sidelines and when you're under the stress and the pressure of the match out there yourself. But uh, often a, a more experienced player will work things out for themselves, and that's part of the sport. Could go all the way, couldn't it? America against Britain, that one. Could go to the fifth. Well, you've, you've got to think that Andy's well capable of winning his singles. Uh, you give uh, James Ward certainly a shot, in, in, and uh, if he can come up with something, great. Um, if he can't, and uh, he loses to players who, of course, are ranked higher than him, then... Uh, it'll come down to that doubles and the doubles could be everything. 
something to look forward to. It's something I'm going to be at, actually, in Glasgow for BBC Radio 5 Live. Very much looking forward to that. We'll have live commentary on 5 Live Sports Extra throughout the duration of that. Hey, Nigel and I, we better go and speak about some women's tennis here on BT Sport. I can't sit here and talk to you all day. I mean, come on, I've got a job to do. <laughs> Absolutely. Tell you what, you've got an interesting couple of months coming up, haven't you, Nigel? Have you got your suit yet? <laughs> You're going to have a son-in-law, Andy Murray. I wonder when you were going to bring that up. It's just round the corner. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Well, we hope it's a fantastic day and I'm sure every tennis fan wishes Kim and Andy all the best. And thanks to you, Nigel, for joining us here on the Tennis Podcast. Now, just before I go, a heads up for you all. Tomorrow, Tuesday, the 3rd of March at 10 o'clock in the morning, tickets to the Aegon Championships at Queen's Club, where Andy Murray will be playing alongside defending champion Grigor Dimitrov and four-time winner Leighton Hewitt. They will go on sale 10 o'clock in the morning on Tuesday, so if you'd like to go, go to agonchampionships.com to see if you can get some tickets. I doubt they'll last long, so you better get in there. We'll speak to you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.